Hello and welcome to the Pageant Buzz podcast. You are here with your hosts, Kristen and Rebecca. This is a podcast where we talk about glam, glitz, and what life is really like with a crown. This is a podcast for those girls who have inhaled more hairspray than they have oxygen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pageant Buzz podcast. You are here with your hosts, Rebecca and Kristen, and we have the most amazing guest ever, my friend and co-judge and pageant queen and a lot of other things that she's going to talk about today. We have Rocky. How are you? Kristen and Rebecca, I'm so honored to be here. Well, we are so thrilled to have you. Could you just give us a tiny bit of info on like who you are so that our listeners can get to know you just a little bit before we start diving into all the pageant talk? Well, about me, I'm half Czechoslovakian, half Mexican, so I like to say that I'm Chexican. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know what? Um, let's see. I, I guess I'm, I'm confident enough now to tell you that I am a pageant girl. The funny thing is, I actually grew up not the traditional pageant girl. I grew up poor. Uh, we really could not afford to compete. And my mother at age five, I told my mother I wanted to compete in a pageant. And she just told me, honey, if you're going to do that, we're going to have to figure out how to make money to do that. So I literally sold candy bars door to door um, back then to compete in my first pageant, American Co-Ed. That was Stephen Kathleen Mays is pageant that's now National American Miss. And I did that my entire childhood. But I was the girl. And the reason why I say I was a pageant girl, but not really, because I never won. I actually competed 12 years in a row, 12 times before I won my first pageant, National American Miss 2003. I was the first National American Miss teen winner. And so that's my background. I grew up in pageantry and I really believe that pageantry has made me the woman I am today. And every single year I kept going back and it eventually won. That is incredible. So I have a little bit of a, an issue with you saying you were not a pageant girl just because you <laughs> didn't win. Because I do think that every single contestant especially if you've competed more than once, but even if you have only competed once, you can call yourself a pageant girl. Absolutely. I, I know that now, but at a young age, you know, you know, it's really hard when you're growing up in the pageant and you go year after year, and hopefully this is encouraging to somebody um, who's listening. Um, every single year, I took my feedback. Uh, and, I, you know, it's funny. Now that I have, co uh, that I have, gone as a judge, I was the girl who showed up on the stage as a total hot mess. You know, I didn't look at you in the eye in the interview. I, I really didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to be on stage and I wanted to be around these women year after year. And I grew up in the system learning a little bit more about myself. I took feedback that said, you know, you have a fake smile. And I would spend a whole year just looking in the mirror <laughs> trying to perfect that smile. And it wasn't until I identified that instead of trying to perfect a smile to look like someone else and, and, tr and try and um, replicate someone else's dress 
and just really mm-hmm. focused on being the best woman that I could be that I really started to do well. And I really started to understand what pageantry does and how it develops you as a person. Yeah, I love that you just said all that. It may, Because I did not grow up in pageantry. And so I sometimes have that feeling where it's like, maybe I should have a little more experience before I should even think about talking to people about pageantry. But when you have a love for something, it's kind of like that, that thing that everyone's saying now is you don't have to be good at something to love it. <laughs> like totally. You can, you can keep working at it and get better at it and you don't have to be amazing at it. Now you worked at it and worked at it and worked at it to the point where you did come in and had an amazingly amazing win. I'm so like yes. you talking about that made me root for you, even though I already knew you had one. <laughs> You know, and okay. since then, I've won a few titles. I was the first National American Miss 2003. I came back and won Miss Ohio National American Miss 2006. And then um, I've been married for 12 years in April to my amazing husband. So I did compete as a Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Alaska International 2013. Um, so I... Uh, I have won a few titles, and but I the reason why I'm here is to tell you that you don't have to win a pageant or be a queen to be awesome and to be a, a true queen. And I really believe that a a queen is someone who succeeds not just on the stage, but they they walk off the stage and they're a queen and they they lift others up. And they live pageantry in their everyday life. And mm-hmm. um, right now, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I run a, a, a successful company in North Carolina. It's a 120,000 square foot manufacturing facility. I've, my husband and I uh, started that, honestly, out of our double wide trailer. And we now employ... Uh, about 60 people in North Carolina. And I believe everything that I have done in entrepreneurship, by the way, I am in a male dominated industry. Uh, I work in defense, uh, making defense materials and firearms. And I believe everything that I'm doing now as a business owner and as a leader in my community has been because of pageantry. I'm confident I'm able to build a resume. I I know um, what my purpose is in life. I know how to market, um, not Mm -hmm. just myself, but my product. And that is all because of pageantry. And so now as a missus, um, Mm -hmm. it's interesting because pageantry still is very much with me. And Mm -hmm. it's a big part of my life now judging in my free time, because in some corny way, I do feel this sense of responsibility to give back to pageantry. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, that's where I'm at. Okay. I have got like back way, way, way up here. I'm thinking back to you being that five-year-old girl selling the candy bars, trying to raise the money to compete. Yes. What was it? How did you find out about pageants? How did you get interested? Where did that initial spark come from? I think I'm a lot. I'm like a lot of young women. Uh, when I watched Miss America on TV, it, it just I, I remember being a little girl and watching these girls 
walk across the stage confidently in a swimsuit and these beautiful gowns speaking about themselves and thinking, I want to be that girl. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to do something like that. And what I think it struck me about those women were just, they were so radiant, you know, and mm-hmm. I thought I want to be radiant when I grow up. <laughs> um, so I got a mailer um, as a young girl. And I remember looking at all the pictures of these young girls with crowns on their heads. And I said, mom, I want to do this. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So in those 12 years of competing, um, I'm pretty familiar with the NAM system and what used to be the co-ed system. Tell me what your service was in the community. Tell us about a little bit about your platform. If you had one, what what were you doing during those 12 years? Yes. So during those 12 years at first, you know, I, I just walked on stage and walked off and I remember crying after losing and my, my parents would always tell me at the end of the pageant, they would say, um, you know, honey, you need to go and congratulate the winner. And so I'd go with like, you know, I'd go back and I'd congratulate the winner. And my parents were so great about helping me understand all of the positives that came from that weekend. How many friends did you make? Did you have fun? Was this something that you think if you look at all the positives Do you think you learned something? Do you think that's worth doing again? And so the answer to those questions year after year um, developed me into the queen that I would later become. And so I started to identify probably as a preteen, the -hmm. girls who would win year after year were the ones who, when they gave their personal introduction, talked about their involvement in the community. And I had realized I wasn't doing much in the community. Maybe I should get involved. And then as a teen, I would, I would hear women say, I, I volunteered X number of hours. And so I would strive, I would spend the next year building a resume, um, reaching out to 5Ks to volunteer so that I could give myself hours. And, and at mm-hmm. first, it was just to build those hours. I, I didn't know why I was doing it. I would later learn that when you volunteer, it begins to change your heart. (laughs) You know, it it begins to change your perspective and you learn. And so every year I was able to come back year after year into my interviews with content, with why, who I am and, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think the key, the thing that was different between the year that I won and the years prior, and to be totally honest, I was, completely shocked. And (laughs) when I competed in in NAM, it was a brand new system. Steve and Kathleen May started that organization in 2003. And so I only had enough money to compete in one system. And I had heard that most most of the prior co-ed contestants, and the numbers were huge, there were over 200, 300 girls in in several of the age groups. And everyone that I knew um, from the pageant world, we're going to go to NAM because it was the new pageant that you didn't have to wear a white dress. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be fun. <laughs> and I didn't have enough money to do both. A lot of people at that time were going to try and do both co-ed and NAM. And I, I had to think hard about, you know, why am I doing this? And I knew that Stephen Kathleen Mays had an incredible system and everything about the pageant was who I was. And so when they called the top 10, 
I, you know, I wasn't even, it was actually common for me in my past to not even make the top 10. I, it's not that I, I didn't just lose like first runner up, second runner up. I would lose, like I wouldn't even get in the top 10. And so when I went to compete, I went with the, the mindset, you know what? Uh, this is the last year I can do this. I am proud of who I've become. I'm going to go and I'm going to celebrate others and I'm going to share who I am and tell them why I am the best national American miss. And I was proud of who I was at that moment. Um, but I, I knew going on that stage that I was a queen, whether I won or not. And, mm. you know, when I didn't get picked, they, they named um, the top 10. I was the last person they called for top 10. So I genuinely oh was shocked that I was even in the top. I was so happy that I was in the top 10. And so when they name, you know, third, fourth, you know, they, they named the, the runners up and I wasn't at first runner up. I didn't even think that it was an option. I, didn't, right, I right. literally, I was literally looking around like, who's going to be the next winner. And when they called my name, I mean, I, it's, 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 I, I know y'all are reliving your moments, but it is so incredible when you get to that point and you realize, oh my gosh, they're, they've called me. I was genuinely shocked. Um, you- Have you ever seen Kristen's crowning moment for Mrs. Ohio? Because if you, if I think of like the epitome of a shocked face, that was her. She was like looking around like, are you sure? Are you sure they said my name? It was hilarious. I so I can imagine yours being very similar. But you know what's interesting? Because I met Kristen. We met at a National American Miss Ohio. We were both judging. And this was a few weeks before you were going to compete, Kristen, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's so interesting because I tell you, when I met Kristen, I number one, I, I loved you the minute I met you. It, it, first impressions are everything. But I was like, I need to be friends with her. I love her. And I knew when I met you that you were going to win. I knew not just because um, you were ready physically, beautiful, mentally you were prepared. You, you had everything down pat for sure as a package. But why I knew you were going to win is because your heart was in the right place. You, you had, mm-hmm. you, you were a queen. <laughs> and oh so, my Yes, I'm serious. I remember like reaching out to you and I'm like, you're going to win. Do you remember this, Kristen? I was like, oh, I'm yes. so excited. Well, I was and I read, <laughs> oh yeah. No, you gave me a book recommendation too, because I was like, yeah, I'm just kind of finishing up my one book. And she's like, all right, girl, I got one for you. David Goggins, Can't Hurt Me. It's great. And Rocky, I'm telling you, I was listening to the audiobook as I was getting ready for my interview even. I loved it. It was such a good recommendation. (laughs) Well, I do believe God puts people in people's path for a reason. And I knew that God put us in each other's paths. So it's, it's just very exciting. Okay. So let's, now that we've kind of hashed through all the excitement of winning, tell us maybe a little about the year being a national title holder, any kind of experiences you had or opportunities that you got that year as the first ever NAM team. So, you know, the theme and the motto of 
Steve and Kathleen Mays pageants was dreams do come true and this is where they start. That's what they used to say back then when I won in 2003. And I really believe that that was just the beginning for me. I I was off to college. I went to St. Mary's College in Indiana. It's an all women's college. And I, I, you know, I put myself through school. I'm one of the first in my family to go to college. Uh, My parents were both educators. And I knew from being in pageants, actually, that I wanted to go to college and and to be do something great. And ironically, selling those candy bars my entire childhood um, led me to my path towards entrepreneurship. And so I, I worked two jobs through college. I was an RA <laughs> and I worked full time at a front desk at a hotel, um, later be- became the manager of that front desk and put myself through school. Um, all of these things that pageantry prepared me for were really just in, in the way I saw it. Um, I, I really used those to better my life. And so, yeah. Um, yes, I mean, absolutely. I volunteered, I prepared for, um, the pageant, but my goal was really to do something amazing and to be the best version of myself that I could be. Um, so my focus then quickly became, um, using my title to promote my platform, which was organ and tissue donation. Uh, the Mm -hmm. little kid that I babysat when I was, um, in high school, um, received a heart transplant and lived seven amazing years. And so I spent a lot of time, um, in high school and through college and even as an adult promoting organ and tissue donation. Um, and you know, um, since then, um, you know, I graduated college. I, I, I met my husband, uh, who was military. He was a green beret with the United States military and so when you get married, your focus, uh, your priorities change. You, do, you agree to do life with somebody. And so I served as a military spouse. Uh, I started, um, and again, I competed as Mrs. Alaska International. We got married, moved to the Arctic Circle. <laughs> wow. And um, it's funny because when I went to college, when I graduated college in Indiana and grew, growing up in Ohio, I thought, I'm going to move somewhere really warm because I'm tired (laughs) of the cold. So I moved to Georgia and then met my husband. And then we, her first duty station was Alaska. So (laughs) that's so funny. My best friend, her husband's options um, in one of his, um, like when they could rank the places that he, he could only really choose from Hawaii or Alaska. And they chose Alaska and got sent to Hawaii. So they ended up living in Hawaii for a couple of years. But she had planned that they were moving to Alaska. So she had bought all of these super warm clothes, all these things. (laughs) And then they ended up getting stationed in Hawaii. So I think that you just never know what what your future can hold. Even when you have intentions of never living somewhere cold, God has other plans sometimes. God always has other plans. And, you know, I went somewhat kicking and screaming. I, I knew that I loved this man. I knew I was supposed to marry him and I didn't know why I needed to go there. But it was the <laughs> best experience. It were really it could we couldn't have been married. It was the great place to spend our first few years of marriage. 
um, it was really fun. We lived our best lives. We hiked off. I mean, we hiked into Canada. It was just an incredible experience. Um, but then he became, he decided, you know, he's a lot like I am. He wanted to do the next best thing. So he, Mm -hmm. he wanted to be a green beret, which is like 1% of the U S army. Um, so he went, um, to try out to be a green beret and he, he got through selection and we moved to North Carolina and we've been here. Oh my gosh, almost a decade now, um, in North Carolina. So it was Is then he that still I, active duty? No. So he's been out. He actually did get injured. Um, and, you know, it's crazy. Things happen exactly how they were supposed to. Thankfully, he's alive. And, um, yes, and so we're still dealing with an injury. But um, the, the timing was great because um, I, I, we started our company while he was in. Um, I was selling parts online and bidding on military contracts. And by the time he got out of the army, we were pushing over a million parts out of our double wide trailer per month. And um, at that point, we had we were hiring um, a lot of military spouses, and we it, the company had grown so much that I really needed help. <laughs> so um, he, although he was working the business with me, he was getting deployed. Um, to Afghanistan and just having random training. So it was good. The timing was great. Uh, he got out and uh, together we built our company. We got into to manufacturing. We were selling so many parts that we invested everything that we had and, and built our business. Um, and it's, it's really, it's the way it was supposed to happen. Well, what See, I think is from, so crazy oh, ahead, is, well, I, was say, I think it's so crazy. So you go from competing in pageants, which is mostly women, you go to an all women's college, and yes. somehow you end up in a, a seriously male dominated industry <laughs> in what you do. And it just blows my mind that you could transition from this one extreme and functioning and being successful in that to being successful in the, in a totally different world. It's so wild. I mean, I grew up in inner city Columbus, Ohio. Um, uh, I, I went to public school. I went, I, I did, I used public transportation. Um, and I really not having any examples in my life of entrepreneurs. My, the only place that I felt like I met women that I wanted to be like every year growing up was in pageantry. And I met these women who had planned to go to Harvard, and they did. And I met women who just had all these aspirations, and I watched these women do it. You know, Facebook, I've maintained friendships with a lot of these women, and every single woman that I know from the pageant world has done amazing things. Um, So anyways, yes. Yeah, I think we're like we're a certain kind of breed that when we have a a goal to do something, whether it is compete in a pageant, run a half marathon, get that job promotion, start the business, we don't feel settled until we do it. And even if we don't complete every goal, the, the preparation for that goal really does elevate you as a person and that personal development, that goal setting, the focus, that mentality. I couldn't agree more. I love that. Absolutely, Rebecca. Yeah, Rocky, when you um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean go to ahead. cut you off. No, please. When you go back and I love, first of all, I love that you give back to Nam. I love that you go and you judge. Is that hard for you? Like, do you sit there and think, oh my gosh, I just see myself so much in this girl, or I'm going to ask more controversial. Do you ever sit down with a little girl and you're like, man, she is a lot like a little girl that wasn't nice to me (laughs) or anything like that in pageantry, or she's kind of like my best friend. Do you feel like your perspective is different because you competed for so long? You know, as a judge, the hardest thing for me is, you know, we're not allowed to talk to the girls. Mm -hmm. It's so, Mm -hmm. it's so hard for me because I see these girls walk off the stage crying Mm -hmm. and I, 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 I remember those moments, but I, I think what comforts me as a judge and for anyone listening who's walked off. So the most challenging thing for me now as a judge is when I see these girls walk off the stage crying and, you know, we're not allowed to talk to the contestants after that is so hard for me. So I guess to anyone who is listening, who's walked off the stage crying or has gone back to their room crying because of the result, um, I guess what I would tell you is number one, that you are an incredible person just for, for showing up and taking the feedback and understanding you're not a queen because of who, because of the crown on your head. You're a queen because of the person that you are every single day. And, and you know, as, as crazy as it is, I wouldn't have my experiences or my losses any other way because I wouldn't be who I am if it weren't for those losses. And as a business owner, you know, I lose a lot. <laughs> now it's money. <laughs> now it's money. I make decisions every day in life where I lose a lot, but there's so much to gain and you don't win unless you lose and you can't win unless you know how to lose and you can't lead unless you know how to follow. And so the chat, the hardest part for me is just not being able to hug these girls and help them understand Um, And so I pray a lot and I just think, you know, this is so important. The reason why I do it and why I try so hard to give feedback is because I know even when it's negative feedback, I just know that it helps them and that it will help them. And I believe that um, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And if it's not meant to be, to be a queen, that you life allows for so many other opportunities to succeed and, and so I would just encourage anyone who's listening to be encouraged by that and to keep doing what you're doing because you have an entire life to live and there's just the world is at your fingertips. If you use um, the basics that you learn in pageantry and you take it in the world and, and, and you will shine as a queen regardless of whether or not you have a crown on your head or not. And I know I, that yeah. you are actually planning to possibly compete again yes. and life threw you a little bit of a curveball. I mean, a good one. It wasn't bad, but I want you to be sure to tell everybody what's going on right now in your life. Yes. Yes. So, um, well, when I met Kristen, she was so encouraging and she said, you know, you should compete. And, you know, I thought, you know, maybe I should, I have a little bit of time on my hand and a little bit of money, and we all know pageantry can cost a little bit of money. <laughs> um, and I thought, yes. So I actually hired a coach. I I was really exploring the possibility of competing as a Mrs. again. 
Um, now having a few years of marriage under my belt and really knowing who I am, I, I changed my my platform to entrepreneurship for women. And I was really um, organizing my life to compete. And then, as I had mentioned before, when you get married, your priorities do change. Um, and I have two little girls, uh, two and four. And my husband uh, woke up one day and he told me that he wanted to run for public office. And um, he said that he felt called to do it. And my husband's a lot like I am. And I certainly had organized my life to win a pageant. Um, and then I realized as I was praying through it, and, and he tells, when your husband tells you he feels called to do something, you just, uh, you go with it. And so I'm really excited that I actually am okay with where I'm at. I, I don't regret the time that I spent with my coach because I actually think that all that training is going to be a huge um, benefit as um, promoting my husband over the next few months. And I won't make this political. Um, there's no need to. Y'all can follow me on social media and see what we're doing there. But uh, when I met my husband, he, he knew that he wanted to serve his country and be a Green Beret. And uh, for whatever reason, he was injured and um, God took him out of that role. But um, he's always had this heart to serve. And so I'm excited about what the future holds there. Uh, we're going to, it's, it's wild though. I will tell you this, if you ever decide to run for, for public office, and I, I imagine that a lot of our, uh, these listeners may, may do that at some point. Um, it's crazy. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot like a pageant. I actually tell my husband all the time, it's like a pageant. You got this. Got to have a wardrobe. You've got to yes. interview. It's literally the same thing. Yes. Solid colors, you know, especially for the <laughs> South. You know, there's a protocol here. Um, and yes. I totally am doing, you know, I'm doing my role as a spouse. Uh, he and I are both working um, Thankfully, with our business, we're in a position where the business goes itself. Um, we actually have several businesses, several um, managers running the best team in the world. And we have a little bit of time to give. And it costs. It's just like pageantry. It costs a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it requires fundraising and sponsors. It's just the parallels are just amazing. And you know, I'm finally in a place in my life where I'm comfortable with who I am. And I, I, I really believe that that makes me a queen, regardless of, you know, if I have the opportunity to compete again in the future. I don't know the answer to that question. I do know that my husband and I feel committed to service. And I do believe that everything that I've done in the pageant world will prepare me for that in the next the next stage of our life. And um, whether that's being a politician's wife, which I do believe uh, I, I'm made for, or potentially being a politician myself and giving back in that way, um, that's definitely on the table. Uh, what I know for certain is that everything that I have learned in the pageant world has made me who I am. I'm comfortable with who I am. And now I think whether it's giving my time as a judge or encouraging other friends of mine. I have a friend competing in Mrs. North Carolina in a, in a few weeks, and I'm so excited to support her and give her all the resources that I know um, and that I can give. 
I think those are the types of things that you have to do as a queen and, and that will continue to do for the rest of my life. Um, that that's where I stand with, uh, competing potentially in the future. I don't know that I'll be on this stage, but I will be contributing in every way that I know how. I love that so much. Well, we will be watching you in your journey to the political crown, quote unquote, with your your yes. husband and Ooh, supporting I like him. That. So tell us where we can follow you on social media. <clears throat> plug plug yourself. Yes. Yeah, so if you look up Rocky Harrigan online, I think over several platforms, I have over a couple million followers. Um, if you're into defense and firearms, uh, my favorite. Um, platform that I use is Instagram, Rocky's Guns. Um, I do try to make um, firearms relatable. It's just a hobby of mine. I compete and it, it's really tied to my business. I love that. Um, but you'll, you'll find me on TikTok. You'll find me on uh, Rocky Harrigan. If you just look up the name, you'll, you know, the little at sign, Rocky Harrigan, you'll find me on Facebook and all the fun things. I love social media. So please connect with me on there. Tell me you heard this. And um, I look forward to meeting everybody. Well, we will be sure to link everything also in the show notes. So if you want to follow Rocky, please be sure to check the show notes after that you finish listening to this episode. Now, here's something kind of fun that we do every single week. Um, I don't know if you know, but they all the girls call me Chris because I am sort of like their Chris Jenner. I am their momager. <laughs> so we ask a Chris's question of the week every week at the end of the podcast. And you can choose to answer this or not, or it can just be for the listeners for practice. But if you want to take a stab at it, this might get you back into interview mode in interview mode. Oh, good. So the Let's question go. of the week is going to be this one. If you were given the opportunity to change one law. What law would that be? I think that question is incredibly relevant considering my husband is running for office. I am politically tied to the Second Amendment. And there was a time where my husband was deployed and someone tried to break into my house. And I wasn't prepared and grabbed a firearm. And I... I, I stood at the door with my firearm and it was enough to scare off that intruder. And so I am very partial to Second Amendment rights. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see that um, I'm, I'm a pro Second Amendment. I'm pro empowering women to um, learn about firearms, even if they choose to not have them. It's a right that we're given in this great country. And so more than changing laws, um, it is my goal to protect our Second Amendment rights. And I and that's something that I'm very passionate about and I will continue to do for the rest of my life. Oh, I like that. I like the format of that answer. It just fits right along with what we always talk about of sharing stories and that personal connection to why you believe what you believe. It's okay to still have a political answer. You just have to explain why that's your belief. Nobody can argue with your why, right? So I love Absolutely. that so much. I well, hesitated thank- answering, but it's how I feel. And I think given... Um, where I am, I do think it's appropriate. And if I were in an interview for say, you, whenever you answer something political, you have to be prepared to for the follow-up questions. And I'm definitely prepared for that. Yes. Well, you would have received a good score from me simply because of that <laughs> format of the answer, whether I agreed politically or not. So I always urge contestants to say what you think 
be yourself. Like we've talked about this entire podcast episode, how important that message is of really owning who you are and, and not being afraid to share that with people. That's what makes people fall in love with you. Rebecca, thank you, Kristen. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. I know it's probably not your traditional pageant podcast guest, but I am so honored to be here and, and to share my story. Rocky, you were fabulous as always. And a huge thank you to you, my friend, fellow pageant judge, like I said, queen, Miss known as right now. Thank you so much for coming on. And you can find us on Instagram at pageantbuzzpod. And we look forward to hearing what everybody else has to say about how they would answer Chris's question of the week. And as we say every single week, Rebecca, always wear your invisible crown and don't forget to sparkle. We are currently booking our next guest, so follow us on Instagram at pageantbuzzpod and send us a DM if you'd like to be a guest on our podcast.